Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And thank you for joining us again after our brief hiatus uh, over Easter. and We survived Holy Week. We did survive Holy Week. But there's a message before we get into the actual podcast. And that message is be careful what you pray for. Because in case you can't detect, Pastor Rebecca's voice is a bit raspier <laughs> um, post-Easter. And here is why. <laughs> On the Monday of Holy Week, Pastor Rebecca was popping some extra zinc and some vitamin C, and she uttered the words, please don't let me get sick till after Easter. So guess what happened on Easter Monday? Bam! Be careful. Be specific in what you pray for, (laughs) because God answers prayers. I uttered the same prayer um, before, while Pastor Rebecca and I were having dinner before the um, a, before our midnight service on Christmas Eve, and I said the words, <laughs> and I said the words at that at that dinner, because I thought I was starting to get sick. Please, just one more service to get through. The next day, bam, sick. Be careful what you pray for, people. <laughs> and strangely enough, though, this isn't a podcast uh, this week about prayer. That's true. Maybe it's, it should be, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. Um, no, this week uh, we are tackling um, an issue that obviously is going to be at the forefront of many people's minds right now. Um, the the attack on places of worship that are going around, um, not just our country, but in throughout the world. Yeah, it's a... It's something that we see far too often, and not that once isn't enough, once is, once is plenty, um, but it's something that, you know, if, if any place should be safe, we would think that a house of worship is that place of safety, a place of sanctuary. Literally, we say we're, you know, we're, we're going to the sanctuary, um, and in often cases, it's not, which, which always raises questions, and it makes people um, varying degrees of nervous. Um, for me, I, I still view the sanctuary as a sanctuary, so I don't show up um, at worship uh, fearful. Uh, maybe that's my faith. Maybe that's ignorance. Maybe that's, I, I don't know. But I, I've, I've never gone to worship um, in a climate where I felt it was unsafe to be here. Yeah. Well, and let's face it, pretty much any time you are in um, a country where your religion is the dominant religion, you don't normally feel uh, like it's something you need to be concerned about. If you're going to mosques, usually in predominantly uh, Islamic countries, you don't usually fear going. Now, if you're Christian, you do a little bit more because, again, you're a much more persecuted minority. Uh, So I understand why at this point going to worship, if you are a Muslim, if you are a, if you are Jewish in the United States, is going to make you far more nervous than if you're a, especially a white Christian. Yeah, and we, when I say we, not just Pastor Rebecca and I, but our, our, our community is, is largely a, a white Protestant community, um, so we are more the norm than the outlier. Um, however, you know, we, we do have Muslim brothers and sisters in our community. We have Jewish brothers and sisters in our community. And 
Well, we had the mosque up in Fort Pierce that was just burned down a few years ago. Correct. Um, in retaliation, of course, for the nightclub shooting because the individual who uh, did that was attending that particular mosque. Right. And um, I've, I've been to that mosque. I, I know the people there. And, and I know that he did not get those ideas from what's being taught right. in the mosque. And, and particularly with, with the Muslim faith, um, we have a lot of people who say, oh, well, it, the, Quran, the Quran teaches that and pushes them to the violent, the violent side. And so does, so does the Old Testament. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Um, you know, it's interesting. So right now the big thing, Game of Thrones was last night. <laughs> and the violence in particularly last night's episode, if you watched it, was off the charts. Um, you know, huge war, thousands and thousands of people. It was, it was, it was awesome um, and, and extremely violent. And it's really not that far off of the Old Testament. No. Um, perhaps not on the same scale, um, but you know, violence is part of you know, that part of our history, not just as, as people of faith, but in, in, in society in general. Right. Um, well, and, and the <coughs> violence you get that, that gets condoned within the Quran has to do with um, when you are being persecuted, <coughs> and in particular was in the context of when they were trying to go back to Mecca to reclaim the stuff that they had had taken from them. Uh, and so, and whenever they're on pilgrimage, and if they're being persecuted, that they are allowed to basically fight back. Um, but they're also then told that they are, if peace is sought, they are supposed to seek peace. So there are rules and parameters around it that um, technically, you know, that we don't tend to think about very often because all we see is, oh, look, the the Quran said something that uh, was condoning violence, therefore. It condones violence in any form and yeah. any way instead of, no, there are actually rules and regulations around it. And there are, I, I mean, there are some pretty strict rules, too. In fact, um, in, in the Quran, uh, Allah says, in warfare, do not transgress or do not sin while, while you're in warfare. And the way you do that is if you are killing women and children, um, you are not to destroy places of worship. That is a very specific right. statement that... Uh, places of worship are not to be touched. Um, especially, They're sanctuaries. Yeah, especially Christian, and, and they, they actually name Christian and Jewish uh, places of, of worship that, that Allah intercedes to um, protect them, and you are not supposed to destroy those. So when there are attacks on places of worship, especially if it's uh, an, an Islamic group doing it, they are violating their own right. their own rules. Right. Uh, that has been set out. So this is not a, this is what Islam teaches. This is, this is what radicals have done with it. Correct. And, and unfortunately, radicalism is not, um, not partial to any one faith. Um, you know, we have radical Christians who, who do, you know, for instance, bomb abortion clinics in the name of their faith. And, you know, regardless of where you're at on the abortion issue, the bombing issue is, it, it, it's anti-faith. I mean, it's, it's, it's counter to, to our faith and, and, what, and what our faith teaches us, um, especially um, the Jesus-y part of our faith. So you can look at the Old Testament and, you know, the, there's, a, there's, there's a fondness for stoning people. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, nice and, and you know, very, very warm and friendly stoning of people. Um, well, the death penalty was imposed for a lot of reasons, uh, and it wasn't just because you killed somebody. Right. It, it, it was imposed, I mean, it was imposed for adultery. Uh, it was, you know, it, it, it had all kinds of uses, and that, that today we look at it and we're like, that's ridiculous. You, you don't kill somebody over that. Right, right, exactly. So, th so the question becomes, for us as a community, what's, a, what's our response? What's our counteraction? What do, we, what do we do in response to um, what seems like um, a rise in violence towards faith communities? You know, that, that's a question that gets asked. You know, if the congregation has served previously, it was asked, um, and, and it's been asked here as well. You know, we'll, we'll what are we going to do? Are we going to have armed guards? And, and my response is, is, is no. Um, we're not going to have armed guards to get into worship. Um, well, and, and let's face it, in our community, the, the likelihood is far less. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, the, again, when I say when you're a dominant, you're the dominant culture you don't tend to be the one that gets targeted. Correct. Uh, the, in, in the United States, the, 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 at least in recent years, the ones primarily being targeted uh, are going to be, well, black churches. Yep, um, black Louisiana. churches are burning like crazy. Yep, we had three down in Louisiana in like less than a month, yep. I think. Um, they, they caught that guy, and of course, it was again due to white nationalism. Um, and you had the... Um, you had a mosque that was burned. Uh, you have the mosque that was, was burned prior to the shooting in San Diego at yep. the synagogue um, by the same person. Yep. Uh, and again, you know, the manifesto was all about white nationalism. Yeah, the synagogue and, shooting in Pittsburgh, I believe in Wisconsin, yep. there was a Sikh community. Right, um, and the, it's <laughs> the poor Sikhs, I mean, they're not even, they, the reason they get attacked is because everybody thinks they're Muslim. Because they, they, they wear something on their head. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. Oh, well, yeah. they must be Muslim. They well, and, and they have darker skin. They have brown skin, and yeah. they wear something on their head, so therefore they're Muslims. And they're, they're like, what, do we do? what did we do? Um, so, so I actually did a quick Google search. The last, the last Protestant shooting that I found, um, mass shooting, was in Texas in 2017. It wasn't that long ago, two years ago. Right, but but in, yeah. in our current climate where these things are popping up, yes. you know, it seems like monthly, the last Protestant event was in November of 2017. And that one was, uh, if memory serves me, it had more to do with uh, what, I would, what I would say is very mentally unbalanced Correct. individual who uh, had been in trouble for domestic disputes, had been discharged from the military, uh, for those kinds of issues for being too aggressive and violent and in fact was not supposed to be able to purchase a firearm except for the fact that the Air Force forgot to report it and therefore he was it, he didn't get flagged right right so. and and I want to make a distinction um, <clears throat> between mental illness and bigotry and nationalism yes. so so mental illness, so, so anyone who's willing to take somebody's life obviously has some, have some, has some mental illness issues. Um, and that's different than subscribing to a belief of white nationalism where I'm going to seek out a community specifically because of their beliefs, their nationality, their race, 
and perpetrate a crime against them. So there's, there's a definite distinction. Um, you know, the gentleman that, that, I use gentleman loosely, I, I, I suppose, um, that, that did the shooting in Texas, <coughs> that was a different, that, that's, a, that's a, a diagnosable mental illness. The guy had a history of, of domestic violence, um, and other other mental diagnoses aside from white nationalism, which I would I would kind of categorize as a whole separate category yeah. of mental illness. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't I don't know that that white nationalism necessarily falls in the spectrum of mental illness. <laughs> um, maybe well, it we need to be careful too about how we talk about mental illness. Correct. Um, because there's such a stigma then that that gets around anybody who you know is suffering from depression or. Um, things like that, right. that, that, you know, then, oh, well, you can't trust them. You can't, yeah. whatever. So, so you have to also be careful about, absolutely about how, how we're approaching uh, the way in which we talk about uh, mental illness, especially in the church. The church does not like to discuss mental illness. <laughs> I think society doesn't, even no. society does not like to, like to discuss yeah. mental illness and partially because we, we have a hard time wrapping our heads around it. We have a hard time understanding it. We don't know what to do with it. Um, both as a church and as a society, um, you know, for instance, depression. The common response to depression is, well, just get out of bed. Yeah. And sadly, it's not, it's not that easy, but until you're in that position, you don't, it is hard to understand. It is challenging to understand. So yeah, we definitely need to make that distinction between, you know, just mental illness being anxiety, depression, those sorts of things, and then the, and other, a whole other class of mental illnesses that often lead people down these roads of, of violence, uh, domestic violence, mass shootings, those sorts of things. Right. Um, big difference, big difference. Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's be honest. We, we in this community, like you said, as white Protestants, largely speaking, we're not targeted. No. Um, we're just not. I mean, that... that I, I don't have any general fear when I'm walking uh, down the street, when I, uh, you know, I, I, I take my dog out and... And Go George is ferocious. Church. And he is. He's a ferocious dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Tongue in, firmly I'm, planted in I, cheek for I those who have not met George. I am in all kinds of trouble if anybody ever tries to attack me because I think George would probably just sit there and wag his tail at them. Um, yeah. He might bark. And, <laughs> but even as a woman, um, and as a woman, I probably take more precautions than most men do from sure. the standpoint of, you know, hey, I've lived in L.A. I've, I've walked in downtown L.A. at night. I've been in Minneapolis, um, Omaha, I mean Lincoln, et cetera, of right. places where if you're female, you don't typically want to go by yourself. And if you do, you have a way of holding your keys so that you can stab somebody in the eye. Right. Uh, <laughs> and these are the, you know, the, these are things that, that women I know think of on a very regular basis. Because I have never carried my, I've never carried my car keys in a way in which I could poke somebody's eye out. Oh, I do. I, I yeah. right. I'm, yeah. I'm just making the me you know, sort of making that point. It's, you know, as a male, I, habit. I, I don't have those same those same concerns. Yeah, um, it, it becomes a habit when you're when you're a woman. I mean, and I, I'm a very intimidating looking person. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but but for the most part, when I'm walking down the street, I, I don't have any fear that that someone's gonna just pull me over and harass me for for any particular right. reason. Um, and that I can do so freely. I know that is not the case for a, a large portion of our minority populations in this country. Yep. 
and that just walking down the street for them in general, just how they look is, uh, I, I think it takes how I walk with, you know, sometimes my, my keys and, and whatever. And I don't do that around here very often because I'm comfortable here. And yeah. it's when I'm in a little more uncomfortable situations of bigger yeah. cities and that kind of stuff where I'm not as familiar and, uh, you know, you just, you always have the, the, the stereotype of, you know, bad things happen in big cities. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, in our small little communities, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen, which is, of course, baloney. I never would have thought that would have happened here. It's like, it's yeah. like the, things, the things you hear on the news after, after a tragedy. Um, I would have never expected it to be that person. Or well, I never would have expected it in our yeah. community. And that maybe is why I have, I guess, a real an understanding of when minority populations talk about their their fears of just walking down the street or driving and getting stopped um and and you know they ha i know they have to um have conversations with their kids about how you do not ever talk back to the cops you don't you know what things to say how to put your hands i mean i never had to have that conversation i never had it no and some people say oh well that's just common sense well not really the reality is maybe it is for us um but it's also we're often in we when i say we we as 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 white people um are often interacted with in a different capacity yes um, and, I, and I've seen that play out, you know, some, some different places in, in society. And I never really paid attention before, because frankly, I've never had to. Um, and we had really good friends um, in Gainesville and of color. And, and, and we, you know, talking with their family and getting to them and, and, have, and, and having those conversations and being able to ask the questions. I mean, you know, is this, is this like reality? And like, yeah, you know, when I grew up, this, you know, my, my dad, and, and the two most respectful people I've ever met in my entire life, both of them served in the military, um, very, over, extremely, extremely well educated. I'm not going to give any details because I don't want to give away identities or anything. Um, you know, highly educated people, um, just people that, that you want to be around, that you want your family to be around, that you want your kids to be around, just quality people. And you go, wow, so this happened to you like, this happened to you like last month? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I have a friend who is uh, Hispanic heritage uh, and served in the military and served over in Afghanistan and has, you know, served his country well. And the past two to three years, uh, he has had just, Timing again, incidents of people coming up to him, telling him to go home, or telling him, you know, to not. He, he said, "I now specifically have a license plate that says I'm a veteran." And so, if you're in your car, you're okay. Yeah, and, and as long as he's in his. And, and actually, what happened was he was getting harassed um, one day by a couple of couple of guys who um, kind of followed him to his car and they saw the veteran plate and then one fine and, and and that kind of changed then they were like oh well thanks for your service you know but, oh you served in the military okay we're not going to to beat you up now we were just following <laughs> you so we could thank you yeah and 
But it was after they'd harassed him. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, and he, he opted not to shake their hand and got in his car and drove away. Um, because what, what else are you going to do in that situation? Um, yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's no issue. There's no, there's no response. That and and that's works. right here. That's right here in, in Florida in, in this area. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's here that that's going on right. a very regular basis. Right. And uh, you know, this, this notion of, of go home, um, what does that mean? You know, I, I and I, I know what it mean. I know what it means when it's, when it's said, right. Um, we'll go home. Here's, here's the reality. Here's, here's the, none of us are from here. No, I shouldn't say none of us. Very few of us are native yes Americans. the native americans are from here so when they they so if a native american looks at me and says go home <laughs> they got a point they got a point now was i born here yes yep. were my ancestors born here if i go back far enough nope i think i have part american indian in me i i believe so i believe i'm part native but like like way way yeah, way I've, back i've got some sue um, in, in yeah Back in but there, but this, this yeah. notion of, of go home, which from a Christian perspective always makes me wonder um, when we start, start talking about creation and, and what, we're, what we stake our claim to. Um, and as, as people of faith, God created all this stuff. So what are we able to make claim to and why are we so um, indignant about our space and not, and not, not personal space and not that, you know, we're going to leave our, you know, our front door open and let people walk in, but we're in, we're all in this, the majority of us are in this country because our ancestors immigrated to this country. Some of them legally, some of them illegally. That's the reality. Um, well, and let's face it, our original ones, what do you consider legal? I mean, they came in, they committed genocide, and yeah. took over. Right, that <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, by today's standards, the human rights violations that were, were committed would, would not be considered legal. Um, Absolutely. And, and, in fact, would be a violation of the Geneva Convention at this juncture. Had there uh, been a Geneva had Convention. Had there been a Geneva Convention yeah. back then, yes. Um, so you can't even, you, it's, it's one of those things, no, you can't apply today's standards to, to back then because th things were different. But I've, I've, I've found it very interesting when people say, well, my, my ancestors um, came here legally. And I'm like, <laughs> it's because we didn't have laws about it back then. Yeah. And so, of course, it was technically, quote, quote, legal. Yeah. Um, but. And we, and we do, and we do, in fairness, we do have, we do have people that their more recent ancestors came here, yes. quote, legally. Yes, um, that, that, that went through the process, which is a, and I think it depends on who you are, but there, I know some people where it's very expensive for them, and it was very, well, our own bishop, I know, mm -hmm. talked about the, it cost him well over $10,000, yeah. I think, to, and over a decade. Yeah, yeah. So our bishop Pedro um, is from is native of Venezuela, and and immigrated to this country, and you know did the you know did the immigration piece, you know went through went through the whole jumped through all of the hoops, and it was incredibly expensive, and it was incredibly um, an incredibly long process. Now he still has family in. 
in Venezuela, and I know you know trying to communicate with them and is is extremely difficult. So it's not an easy decision when people choose to immigrate to this country. Um, well, and I know you know I'm not going to name any names, but we know some people. Yeah. Um, pretty close to us here that uh, are you know dealing with with some of those issues of where one of them is married to someone who is uh, from I think Mexico and they're having some problems now even though everything's been legal everything you know they've, they've done everything the right way they're facing a lot of problems and challenges and they're living in a lot of fear right now yeah yeah and I know there's the, the process is yeah is is prohibitive in a lot of cases and for some people you go, oh well that's great it should be um i don't know i don't know that i feel it should be prohibitive um do i think there should be a process sure do i think people should abide by it yes um do i think that um do, do i think that let me let me put it this way. I understand there I understand why people don't always always follow the rules to a T. So if I'm driving and the speed limit is fifty five, I'm gonna be honest. You go sixty to sixty five. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You, yeah. But we don't have an issue with that. And largely speaking, we go, okay, well, I mean, if you Everybody drive, does it. and if you drive on 95 and you drive on a turnpike, you go, okay, whatever, they're driving, speed limit says it's, what, what is the speed limit, is it 70? 70, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, speed limit says it's 70, and people are, are driving, you know, 85 miles an hour. I mean, other people, not me, of course. Um, of course not you. But we're, we're able to just, you know, dismiss that. Um, so we kind of we kind of determine what rules we apply. We pick and choose. We do. We pick yeah. and choose based on based on a number of things, yeah. and unfortunately, a lot of times we pick and choose based on nationality. Yeah. Now, not, I'm not talking speeding here, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things we, we base off of off of nationality. So when we get back, when we start talking about you know, communities at risk and faith communities at risk, again, I don't I don't I don't feel endangered here. You know, you had Dylan Roof walked into church in Charles. Who was an ELCA Lutheran. Who was an ELCA Lutheran, walked into, a, into an African-American congregation in, in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Why? Not because he didn't like the church. He didn't like the skin color. I mean, let's call, call, call it what it is. It, it was an act. It was a, it was a hate crime. It was, it, was a, it was a skin color issue and walked in and... And, you know, and I, I, the, the, the rising sentiment, not that this was, you know, a podcast about issues of immigration and whatnot, but I think part of our issue right now is, no, uh, as we know in the church, people fear change. Correct. Uh, and that fear <coughs> of, of change, that fear of some, something's going to change within the, your, your sphere and your world, um, your community uh, to a way that is different than what you're doing. And of course, if it's different, immediately it becomes bad. Right. And that you you want it the way you want it. And if it's going to change, then you have to go after the thing that's going to potentially change it. 
And instead of looking at, well, what can immigrant communities actually bring? And, and yeah, they're going to bring change, but they may be bringing something else that, that would be beneficial and good. And people don't see that. What they see is they say, oh, well, they're coming from a place where there was crime, so they clearly um, are going to be crime people themselves. They're going to bring that crime here. They're going to bring that crime here. Um, so, so often immigrant communities have a higher percentage of entrepreneurship than, and than any other segment of our, of our society. So there's a high entrepreneurial rate from our immigrant communities. Part of that is because they probably have trouble getting regular jobs. Could be. That they have to branch out on their own yeah, because it could be. that they aren't going to get hired. Yeah, it could so be. So they have to come up with their own, their own way of making a living. I blame Burger King. Why not? I blame Burger King because Burger King had this, and I don't know if they still do or not, um, had, this, had this slogan, have it your way. It your way. <laughs> and I think either, either they tapped into, and I suspect that they tapped into what was already in society, this notion that we want everything our way, um, as opposed to they drove that part of society. But I'm going to blame Burger King because... Because why know, not? Because why not? Now, I know that that's not popular. My internship uh, congregation, my internship supervisor was a Burger King junkie. Um, he loved Burger King. I personally think Burger King, from my time as my childhood till now, I think their quality has declined. I should, we should probably do something about that. Maybe that's another podcast. But we, we, we've absolutely set into this notion of having it your way. Um, and there's some things that that's absolutely okay. But when it, when it manifests itself in not being tolerant of anything, and I don't care if it's nationality or skin color or hair color or religion, or religion it's just, frankly, it's not okay. Um, and as a faith community, um, you know, we have a lot more in common than we have that separates us. And I think we forget about that. Um, and I, I, you know, I struggle, you know, having just gone through Matthew's gospel, um, there's lots of, lots of pieces of Matthew's gospel that you have to use the language very carefully. Now, I know when we were doing our Good Friday presentation, um, and if you, if you haven't seen that, I apologize because it was awesome. Um, thank you, Pastor Rebecca, for putting it together. But I know there, were, there was a part of that um, where um, Pilate is, is, you know, says Jews. Yes. And it's part of Scripture. It's absolutely part of Scripture. And yet, I know we both commented <laughs> about, you know, not cringed because it... We cringed a little. Not, no, we, no, we did cringe. Yeah. We didn't cringe because it's not scriptural, mm. but we cringe because that interpretation sometimes lends itself to... The Jews killed Jesus. The Jews killed Jesus. Yes. And in reality, and maybe, maybe we should have changed the language in it and said religious leaders. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was more a result of religious leaders than it was Jews with a blanket statement. And, you know, and part of our heritage as Lutherans, uh, Martin Luther was not, he, he, he had his own struggles. Um, it's, it's, it's a deep, it's, a, it's an ugly part of our past um, with Luther and, and the Jewish community. Yeah, we just kind of like to ignore that part of Luther because that was, Luther went a little off the rails. And there. frankly, it should be a part that's may, yeah. maybe not ignored, right. but absolutely not adhered to. Not <laughs> adhered to and not, certainly not celebrated. And the reason I say not ignored, because we need to educate Correct. that part of it and say, yeah. hey, this, this is part of our past, and it's not a good part of our past, and we need to repent from that part of the past 
and repent doesn't mean continuing to do the same thing over and over and over. That's the definition of insanity. Well, and if you think about, okay, so from the Good Friday thing, and who was saying it? It was Pilate. Yep. And um, Pilate was representative of the Roman Empire, and of course, if you're going to say something derogatory about the Jewish people, he was going to because he was the yeah. the, the Roman who was in charge of basically oppressing, yeah. um, and and Rome was anti-Semitic in that, yeah. uh, you know, from from that particular viewpoint. And what and what made it really challenging for us, and <clears throat> what made us cringe, is that the person that was playing Pilate played the part so well. I, I mean, that's the reality. Well. He played evil. He played the evil role of Pilate very, very well. And when I read it, I didn't. I, I honestly, when I read, when you put the script together, and I read it, I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. The first time we did the read through, and heard him do it, I went, "Oh." <laughs> and we actually had that conversation. Yep. We actually had that conversation. Um, so yeah, it's 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 something we need to be aware of, and I think we need to be more aware. Um, and I know this is, a, this is a trigger word for a lot of people. We need to be more aware of our privilege. Yes. And the reality is, as, as white Protestants, our churches aren't getting burned down. Nope. People aren't coming in and shooting up our churches. And not that I'm asking for that or want that to be a thing. I don't want it to be a thing in white churches. I don't want it to be a thing in black churches. I don't want it to be a thing in Asian churches. I don't want it to be a thing in synagogues, in mosques, in, in temples, anywhere. Temples. I, there, there's no place... There's no place for that anywhere, especially in places of worship, places of sanctuary. Um, but we also have to, have to you know, on some level, realize and recognize that we need to be more concerned about speaking out against that behavior so that we're not perpetrating it than we have to worry about it being a thing in our churches. Like, like you mentioned earlier, Dylan Roof was an ELCA Lutheran. Now, I have no idea what his youth group was like, what his church was like, what his pastors were like, what his upbringing was, how often he went. You know, was he, was he in church every Sunday? Was he ELCA by baptism and not confirmation? I have no idea that all I know is that, yes, Dylan Roof was an ELCA Lutheran. So as pastors, as, as leaders of the church, I feel strongly that it's our responsibility. Yes, we need to protect our people. But I think when you, look at, when you look at the inherent dangers, we're not the ones that are targeted. And often, if you, if, if we're, again, if we're, if we're being 100% honest, if you look at the mass shootings in this country, they're largely perpetrated by white males. They're largely perpetrated by white males. And I can't give you a percentage, but there's way too many of them that claim a Christian identity. So at what point do we as the church, do we as church leaders make it a point to say, hey, this ain't okay, period. You know, no fine print, no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> there has been a rise as well in, at least in this country, of, of Christianity um, being very melded with uh, not just whiteness, but also national identity, and forgetting we're a global church, um, yep. forgetting that we are, yes, we are Americans, we live in America, we happen to be Christians, we're Americans, you can be very patriotic, you can, you can fight for your country, um, but 
I, I very strongly feel that my Christian identity is over above my identity as an American citizen. And if yes, and 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 when push comes to shove, there I I have to be a Christian first, and and we have to be willing to recognize that those two things don't always align. No. Regardless of political party. Yeah. Regardless of political party. Being a Christian and being an American aren't, don't always align. No. Um, you, you've, there are lots of things that we do as, as a society um, that I know I'm guilty of uh, just because I'm an American, because I live here, that sometimes I look at and I go, ooh, you know, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure that's something Jesus would be all, all warm and fuzzy about. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this, I think, from uh, when we were doing our podcast on the environment and things like that. But definitely, you know, just, just being an American makes us very wasteful and very you know, harmful to, to the planet in general. And, you know, how do we how do we reconcile that and, and deal with that? I, so there's a, there's a lot of things that we have to always take into account of what is our Christian identity and how is our culture that we are a part of sometimes butting up against that. And to always remember Christianity should be and is countercultural because it goes against the grain of how humans naturally behave. I had, I had a member of my former congregation and after one of my sermons, he came up to me and he, he was, he had like a tear in his eye or at least watery eyes and it wasn't allergies. And he said, you know, pastor, being a Christian is damn hard. And I, I, I said, I looked at him and said, you're right, it is. But that's, the beauty is that's why we just went through Easter. That's why we have the cross. That's why we have the empty tomb because we're not called to be perfect. I always remember, though, what Jesus said when he said, to, to whom much has been given, much is required. Yeah. Uh, and that... Is that from Spider-Man? Yeah, that was <laughs> to where there's great responsibility, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it comes from the Bible, too. Mm. Jesus said it, yeah. you know, and it, it was Take your pick. Follow Spider-Man, follow Jesus. At this yeah. point, let's yeah. just do something good. Yeah. <laughs> um, bo- both working off the same, same kind of idea. And, and that is, if you are part of a, the privileged part of society, like most of us are, um, we do have a responsibility then in how we treat and care for our minority, minority populations. I'll tell you, I, I, I spent some time in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I do not look like I belong in Egypt. I mean, True. It's, it's very obvious. Um, Truth. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't have the right skin color. I don't have the right eye color. I don't have the right hair color. I don't have. Yeah, um, you, you ain't fitting in. And I was, and I was not the right religion. You're not blending. Uh, I was. Yeah, I, I did not blend in in any way, shape, or form. The closest I could ever come is to wear the full burqa. That was the only way to avoid that. And yep. um, I didn't do that. And sunglasses. I was tempted. I was tempted. Full burqa and sunglasses. And sunglasses. <laughs> um, but I did not fit in. And. And you do, you feel out of place. And for me, it was probably the most important thing I've ever done in my life. Just to be in a different culture. To be in a different culture where I was a minority. Yep. Where I was treated kind of second-class citizen. Yep. Um, And that, you know, just going on the street was a little scary because I knew I was going to be probably harassed just based on how I looked and my gender. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, that, but, but here's, here's two ways you can respond to that. And one of the ways I know some people respond to that is what, what they say is like, oh, Islam's terrible, horrible, you never want that, so you come back and you fight against it. Or. I think I would have liked the or. <laughs> or, which is what I came back with, was I did not like how I was treated by the majority population. As the majority population here, how do I treat minorities? Right. And that really opened my eyes and shifted my thinking and how I behave towards and, and, and being much more cognizant and careful about it. And actually, I said something similar to this, and you know, I teach over at Indian River State. And I was, in, in class, I was talking about the fact that I did that, and I, ha I had a um, woman who, who was black, and I said, yeah, I gotta live as a minority in this you know, country for a while. And she looked at me and she goes, how'd that go for you? Yeah. And, and you know, kind of laughed a little bit, and I just, I, I, I looked straight at her and I said, I did not like it. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, okay, yeah. And, and the, the high school I grew up, the area I grew up in, my high school was, <laughs> was white, as white as the Easter lilies. And um, my wife grew up in Philadelphia, so her, her, her high school, her school experience was way different than mine. Um, I, think, I don't know if we were married yet or not. We were dating or married, and one of her coworkers was black. And they had an event at their house. It was the first time I had ever been in a home where Christina and I were the only non-people of color and Christina was off doing her own thing so it was kind of like the women were in one part of the house and I was with the you know, the girls over there the bros over here and and I was never so aware of of being different and it was uncomfortable because I had never experienced it before and they were wonderful people I mean we had a blast and I'm not generally a wallflower I don't generally um, <laughs> I'm kind of who I am and, and I'm not one to just kind of sit back and not say much. Um, and we had, we had an absolute blast, but I'll never forget looking around at one point and going, oh, I'm the only white person in this room. I represent whiteness. <laughs> and that, that's scary. It was scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, 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 You're our representative. Oh boy! <laughs> I know, right? Be afraid. Um, but it, it was it was an eye-opening, and I had the same experience when I went when I went to Mexico, um, being a minority in that culture. Now I don't speak Spanish, so from that standpoint, I don't know. I, I'm not fully aware how I, how I was treated. <laughs> um, maybe what they were saying wasn't so nice, but I didn't know the difference. Um, but just that alone, you know, ha not having a grasp of the language and, and being, in, being in that minority setting, there's a, Christi and I think, and Christianity I requires a, hospital a, le a yes. base level of hospitality, regardless of anything else. Yes. Um, your faith requires you, my sermon this weekend is about relationships. You can't have relationships with people if you're not hospitable. And how you interact with someone and whether that person, let's say you, you encounter someone um, of Jewish faith. And your interaction with them is, is less than stellar. 
and you say, well, they're not going to be Christian and they're not going to come to church anyway. Well, you know what? Maybe the five people around them are looking and going, wow, look at that Christian. What a jerk. Yeah. Like, it's who you are. As you go get in your car that says, keep Christ in Christmas, as you're cursing somebody out for, you know, flipping somebody off because they pull out in front of you and you yell, go home. And you're keep Christ in Christmas. Well, and, and, and again, I think, you know, when I was talking about how, you know, it feels to be, be a minority population. And I think that that is part of the fear that um, white people in America have right now is that they are probably going to become a minority population in the not too distant future. And they're fighting against that because guess what happens when you're a minority population? You get treated terrible. Yeah, because we've been perpetrators of it for years. Yeah. We know, we know, we we know. know what it's like to be we on the... Right. <laughs> That's the thing is we're looking at this going, hey, we know what we do and yeah. we don't want that done to us. Yeah. And that We want to is... make all the rules. We want to make all the decisions. We want to have right. all the money. We don't want to share it. My hope, my, my hope really is that we get to the point where there is no... There is no, there is no reality. There is no nationality. There is no. I have a dream. Yeah, yeah. I love Martin Luther King Jr. I really do, and I, I think that. Well, Paul started it honestly when he started with. That's um, true. In Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, male or female. But Paul never used any punctuation, <laughs> and I have a really hard time with Paul because of all the run-on sentences. I get MLK, like I get him. I can listen to him and I can read it and I get it. Paul, you're absolutely right. He absolutely, but he says those things with no commas and where he should have put periods. He, they're run-on sentences, and it makes it hard to get. Yes, give credit to Paul, but I'm going to take MLK. Yep. <laughs> well, MLK took it and, and went, went a step further with it yeah. and, 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 and applied it to his, his time and place of, of racial tension and civil rights and the fact that if we are going to claim to be Christian, we do not treat other human beings as less than, that they are somehow um, animals or monsters or something along those lines. I mean, they are human beings, they are people. They are not people to be demeaned. They are not people to be um, thrown in, in prison or cages just because they are, are, are fleeing something else. And, you know, I don't have the I don't have the solutions for for what's going on at our border or anything along those lines, but uh, we have to be humane. Yes. And, and above all, we have got to be humane. These and are if we're, human. And if we're beings. not going to, then let's not call ourselves a Christian nation. No. Because it just gives Christianity a bad name. No, uh, that that is not Christianity. I that that is not how I, I I do not believe that is how Christ would behave, in any way, shape, or form. Um, or that he would condone that or think that any of that was a good idea. So I'm, that, that, that for me is, is the real struggle then when um, I know many, many Christians who, who have no issues with it. And I, I, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that. I struggle. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that struggle. Um, because I, I, I tend to lean on um, as much as I can, I, tr- I tend to lead, I try to lead on my faith. And I really, I really try and live out that really corny WWJD. What would Jesus yeah. do? And, and the flip side is, is I don't know that I'm as fearful of, of those changes as a lot of, um, I, I would say my parents' generation would be. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, and I don't know if it's just because I've, I, I've been exposed to so much that, that I'm, I, I see beauty in a lot of different cultures and okay, so we bring some of that stuff here. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, and not that, you know, basically it's, it's the difference between patriotism and nationalism when you believe your, your, your country, your culture is superior in some way um, to other cultures and nations. And as opposed to just being proud of your country. Right. As opposed to say, as opposed to saying, Hey, I like my country. I like the things that are here and blah, blah, blah. Um, and part of what I like about America of, of what, at least when I was growing up, what I thought America was about was that we were open accepting and that we, we embraced the diversity. Um, as I grew older, I realized that wasn't the reality, but that's, that's what I thought my country was about. Yeah. Um, and that, to me was in line with my faith as well was that yeah you embrace all people you you love all people you embrace them you you know yeah they're going to bring something different you want to talk about a culture shift talk about the culture shift that jews and gentiles went through in the early church of having to meld their two groups together and you can read the letters of paul and find out how well that was going <laughs> and jesus went to both Yes. Went to both. Yep. It wasn't just, you know, Jesus, it wasn't just talking to the Jews. But, and then what all of this, tie it back around, is that this, of course, is, is what is now leading us into, I think, the uptick in, in violence and, and with, with the rhetoric, um, the fear of, of the other yeah. Um, the fear of, you know, uh, of Islam, the fear of uh, the, the Jewish community. I've never really understood that one, but, <laughs> um, you know, the, the anti-Semitic tropes and, and stuff that get utilized and have just been a part of our society for so long and the stereotypes and um, some of the interesting things that you, you see of, you know, how the Jewish people are depicted a lot of times as, you know, the, the money people, um, which of course comes out of medieval times when they were being persecuted and were not allowed to have regular jobs. And Christians didn't want the job of being like a banker because that was seen as, as an icky job that, right. that was beneath them. And the, the Jewish population grabbed hold of that because not only were they, <laughs> were they one of the few jobs they were allowed to have, but it gave them liquid assets for when they got kicked out. It was like, okay, well, but we've got, we've got money right. and we can move right. from place to place when we get kicked out of this community. And so now we use it as a, um, a, a, a means of, of sort of that, that dog whistle of, of, of the rich Jew or something along those lines and yeah. not realizing we created that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and so there are lots of things that, that I think we need to become more aware of and, and look at um, and recognize the damage that this kind of fear and hatred is doing to our country and is doing to our faith. Um, Absolutely. Both. It's doing to both. Yeah. And Jesus was not about fear and, and violence. He was the exact opposite of that. So where do we go from here? 
I, I wish I had that answer. I, I mean, so, so putting it in that context, the first thing I thought of was, you know, hey, you cut off my cousin's ear. And what did Jesus do? Jesus healed it. Yeah. Jesus healed it. Jesus, he wasn't, you know, wielding swords and, um, you know, the, the violence certainly wasn't, wasn't, wasn't part of his nature. And I, I think, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you know, I mentioned earlier, putting Christ back in Christmas. Let's just put, heck with one day, let's put Christ back into, into the way we treat people. You know, not on, not, not on Christmas. Um, and frankly, I've kind of given up on holidays. You know, they've all become, you know, corporate, uh, corporate uh, entities where, hey, we can spend a profit on Easter and we can spend a profit on Christmas. And, you know, yeah. it's like, man, I, I, whatever. Um, so let, let's, let's, let's just try and reflect Christ in how we interact with people. And let's, let's start there. Um, you know, nonviolent, um, compassionate, merciful. Gr- and not revenge-seeking. Graceful, yeah. Because that's part of what goes on here is that you get, uh, so what happened in Sri Lanka was in response to what happened to the mosque in New Zealand. Right. So then they attack a bunch of Christian churches in, in, in Sri Lanka as, as, as vengeance. And it's, at some point, we, we have to stop the cycle of vengeance. Violence and, and, begets violence. Yeah, and, and that's, that's actually the, kind of the message of the Old Testament. Yeah. If you want to you get down to it, the message of the Old Testament is this was a cycle, this was a pattern that just kind of kept going over and over and over again. And how well did that work for them? And if you don't want to dig into the Old Testament because it's, some of it's heavy, watch Game of Thrones. Violence begets violence. Over and over. Oh, will you kill? Will you kill that? Oh, I got to kill. I got to kill this. I got to kill. Yep. It, it, it doesn't stop. No. At some point, people of faith have to make the stand and say, we're going to forgive and we're going to move on. And, and we, we, we have to reach out and find a way to make peace. What, what's, what's the, I'm on a Game of Thrones theme. What's, what's the quote? Um, you when don't the, make peace with your friends. No, when the God, when the God of death. <laughs> oh, what is the, uh, what do we say to what, the God what, of death? What do we say to the God of death? Not today. Not today. And maybe, maybe, maybe that needs, maybe that can be our mantra. Thank you, Aria. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe that can be our mantra you know when when we when we want to act out when we see this thing is 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 as people of faith to say not today not today before we wrap up because we're going to wrap up in in a second because we got long-winded because like man we haven't done this we have we we haven't we've had off two weeks we've had two weeks um and i think pastor rebecca (laughs) i think pastor rebecca has lost her groove because we've made it through an entire podcast without a mention of the book of revelation and we need to wrap up now before she throws one in I was holding back. <laughs> I, I had several places I could have interjected it, and I chose not to. It's because she's sick. Yep. That must be what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we just need to, to learn to reach out, to love, to love our neighbors, love our enemies. I, I mean, and that's, and that's what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus calls us to break those cycles because he knew that if we keep doing what we're doing, we will self-destruct. Yep. I mean, it's just that's all it's ever going to lead to. Yep. And that, that you have to learn somehow, somewhere, that in the face of evil, um, to stand as a witness without being violent. And or a jerk. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let's, let's be clear yeah. that not being violent isn't the bar we're necessarily shooting for. That should be a given. But let's just, let's not be a jerk. Yeah. Let's, let's go, let's, maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening to us um, kind of ramble on this time. You can, of course, email us your uh, suggestions or thoughts at ipccrackedpots at gmail.com. And that's it for this week. Thanks Thank you. Much.